Live from New York, it's Ask an Engineer. And the cleaner man. Yeah, I do cleaning. Cleaning me. All right, so hello, everybody. It's me, Lady Ada. Uh, with me, Mr. Lady Ada on camera control. We're in this video show. We've got an exciting hour for you of all sorts of maker news and videos and tutorials. You got the I and MPI with a banging new tune. Might even have some It's Not Out Yet, Don't Ask Top Secret. Some good stuff this t this week for sure. Yeah. Um, Phil, you want to give some updates on what we're going to show? On sure. The show? On tonight's show, first up, if you're in any of the chat rooms, please put the links to Twitch tonight or Facebook or Periscope or Mixer or LinkedIn. YouTube streaming is down at the moment, but that's okay. That's why we, we have, have six other streams. We have six other streams. So please let people know about that. On tonight's show, people around the world show and share their projects and more. Lady Ada will talk about that. We have some JP Workshop and some Make Code Minute and more. We have Python on hardware. We're going to play the video at the end of the show. It's the entire world of Python on hardware, so stay tuned for that. We have some time travel. We're going to look around the world of makers, hackers, artists, engineers, and more. We have some Made in New York City factory footage and things that are going on here in New York City. We have some 3D printing. No, Pedro printing up a storm yeah good stuff this week and then we have some ion mpi Ooh. brought to you by digikey and adafruit we've got some new products we got a very special top secret we're going to answer your questions we do that over on adafruit.it slash discord 24 7 hackerspace that everyone can join at any time all that and more on you guessed it Ask an engineer. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, yay and we just finished up like a full hour of show and tell yeah. it's been Every Wednesday now is just everyone getting together, sharing what they're doing. It's yeah. a great middle of the week. You know, just check in to see how everyone's, how everyone's rocking. We had a lot of people on show and tell as well. Yep. Um, so let's just do a programming note. You're watching Ask an Engineer. It's every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. We do the show and tell every Wednesday at 7 p.m. It's usually available on all streaming services. And if it's not, check us out on facebook.com slash Adafruit Industries. Check us out on Periscope. Check us out on Twitch. Check us out on Mixer. Check us out on LinkedIn. And occasionally, check us out on YouTube. Um, we have a few things that I wanted to mention before we get started. First up, uh, we are still in this crisis with everyone. Uh, we're all in this together. I have some encouraging news that we'll share later on in the show. But I do want to remind everybody, um, we are shipping. So uh, we are just shipping a little different. So uh, this is what we're doing now. Yeah. <laughs> so. I like how his little ear holes have. That's right. So um, if you place an order, and please do, because it keeps us in business. And you know we've said that in the past. Like your orders support us. No, really, they really support us. So please place an order. Um, we've been able to ship the essential priority orders for first responders, for hospitals, for organizations, for all the things that they need. And when we have time between those, we were getting to the orders that were sitting around waiting. Um, we've been able to add staff so we can get more things done, more orders out, and getting our reseller orders out that are essential businesses on their side. So if they're ordering a bunch of like Bluetooth or Feather devices for that ventilator thing that's going to Italy or you know that's an actual thing yeah. that we have to do, um, we do those first, but we can take your orders. So please place your orders. Just know it's not going to go out same day. It might take a couple of days. And if things spike up and get in a in a bad place for New York, you know we'll, we won't be prioritizing those orders. But we'll let everyone know. So please do that. Um, 
we have all the PPE, we have um, smart uh, physical distancing. Uh, a little bit of a note, we live together, so that guy... You're always like, why is You it guys good? are breaking your rule. No, uh, we, we, are, we are together, so um, that is why we work together as a pair. Um, no one else does uh, like that. And uh, we are making stuff for hospitals, we're making stuff for uh, scientists, for doctors, for engineers. So um, please place orders um, and then know what you're doing is supporting us. Um, if you just want to buy a gift certificate, do it because uh, that helps us now and then you get stuff later. If you want to get Adafruit IO, that's our uh, IO service for makers. It'll always be free, but we have a plus uh, account that you can get and it's hundred bucks a year. Um, we have Adabox, it'll be shipping very soon. Our partners that we work with, with Adabox, they're gonna be able to take care of this with us. So we teamed up, we said, how can we still do this? And they'll be able to do that. We have like 10 slots left. So if you haven't already, go to adabox.com. Um, that'll sh be shipping very soon. And all of that uh, supports us. This is, uh, I try to cycle out the photos. This is from like Ada Lovelace Day. And this is not a recent photo from the last 60 days. Yes. <laughs> this is from late last year. And that is why we're standing next to each other. And that's why we don't have gloves and masks on. So before you get upset about that, no, that's what that photo is. So um, let's start off the show. Uh, Lady Ada, people are showing and sharing their projects every single week. We all come together and we do that. I know. It's exciting. I love it. We had like 45 minutes of people. Um, we had Anne come by uh, 20 years ago. She bought a 201 Radio Shack science kit, uh, one of the ones with like the, all the different components and little springs that you put wires into to make 200 different circuits like buzzer and fast buzzer and slow buzzer. So that's three projects already. See? Um, so she showed that off, looked cool, it was in good condition, even had a manual. Erin showed off her uh, LED moss garden. We actually have a video, I think, in a guide about that, so we'll show that soon. Uh, but it uses a clue to show barometric pressure, humidity, or temperature on this moss garden. So it's like a piece of the earth in your home. Uh, Phil B. Uh, held up the clue light painter that he worked on. Uh, we have some awesome photos. Uh, so stick around if you want to see them or check out the guide. Basically taking um, the high-quality Raspberry Pi dithered dot star LED code that we wrote, pouring that to CircuitPython, and yeah, you can do really high-quality light painting on uh, CircuitPython. If you, you do a couple tricks where you, you know, store the, the intermediate data format on Flash because it's so big it won't fit in RAM, and then blast that data uh, out to the dot star LEDs as fast as possible, and you can do dithering effects to create a much more beautiful light painting. Uh, Melissa has been adding Circuit Python Blinka support to the Great Fet. Um, this is a uh, project by Mike Osman and I think maybe a couple other people whose names I can't remember. Uh, it's a board with 80 or 100 GPIO pins, uh, two USB ports, and it uh, can be controlled by Python, and so. She's working on basically turning it on to like a mega FT232H, which is super exciting. JP uh, has a metronome demo. He uh, just wrapped up his guide, or he's wrapping up his guide on how to make a clue-based metronome. He actually said his daughter was practicing piano or something, and her metronome was like really wonky. And he's like, I, I can build this. I can, I have the technology. And so he made a really awesome metronome that has like timekeeping and like you can adjust the BPM and it displays on the screen. So use a little beeper built inside, which Phil 
was the one who convinced me to keep the beeper on the clue. So that made this project happen. And then Pedro showed off their um, PS4 game controller clip-on 3D print project that allows you to either, to, it basically gives you a, 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 a semi-permanent uh, tripod mount on your controller so you can attach a phone to it. So you can do like phone gaming, but with a really nice controller. Or what I want to do, which is you put a seven inch high def uh, TFT dis IPS display on it. And then you can play uh, games um, close up as if it was like a really, really fancy Game Boy. Uh, Scott has mega news uh, in the two hours from when we did the hack chat earlier today and show and tell. He got the ESP32 S2 uh, enumerating and showing up as a REPL on USB. So he's using the native USB port. It shows up as a disk drive, but that part doesn't quite work yet, but it definitely shows up as a serial port. You connect to it, and he even added two numbers together at the REPL prompt, which is so exciting. So um, check out his stream, I think, on Friday. Uh, then from the community, we had uh, Unexpected Maker come by, and he showed off his ESP32 S2 Feather. Looking really good. He's got a couple different designs for the ESP32 S2 that he's going to be releasing. Um, he's also tweeting about them, doing videos. Liz is working on a haptic bracelet that uses ANCS, that's uh, Apple's Bluetooth notification service, um, to buzz when you get a text message or maybe to tell you when it's time to get up at using the, the time service that Apple provides. So it's kind of an interesting assistive technology project, but also like a fun like biohacking project. Mohib uh, showed off two things. He's got Minicamp Studio Controller. He made a 3D printed camera controller. And also he did a really nice write-up over at the AWS blog on making a Curiosity rover display using the Pi Portal and um, a Lambda service to take Curiosity Mars photos and then, you know, have them hosted somewhere with information in a JSON format so that uh, the pipe portal can parse them. And last but not least, Mark had a cricket robot that he built and was uh, confused about why it can't drive straight. And that's because motors are not uh, tuned exactly. So he thought, well, what if I take a nine off sensor that can do orientation and then I put that on the robot and that way it'll know, you know, which way is north, it'll know how to drive straight. And uh, then he realized that CircuitPython doesn't have a sensor fusion library. So he wrote one and it worked. And he even demoed it live using uh, Melissa's web serial demo. So really um, awesome and really uh, interesting projects in the show and tell this week. I'm excited to see some of these. Okay, all participants on the show and tell will eventually get an as seen on show and tell sticker. Please email supportedatafruit.com later if you are on the show and uh, we'll be able to get to that and send it to you. Um, right now we're just going to ship orders to people that are essential and your order um, probably pretty fast, so please place orders. Thank it you. is okay now. Um, a little bit of an update. The reason why we're not broadcasting YouTube is the the streamer that we use, yeah. Restream, says your stream's on hold because YouTube has a new policy. You have to somehow tell it that this isn't a stream just for children. So there's no way to tell it that within all these interfaces. So uh, they decided to not tell anybody about this and do this now. I, I, well, really, that doesn't sound like YouTube. Actually, no, it totally sounds like so, YouTube. So that is why, and we'll figure this out. Um, cool, cool. Good um, for kids. Cool. <laughs> um, well, this isn't 
this isn't a, a, a stream just for kids. I know. So that's why... Uh, but now we have to... But they don't tell us. There's no way for us to there's know. There's no way to tell it that right now live on the show. No. So anyways, um, onward. We're going to do JP. a little bit of uh, live show recaps. Yep. Uh, JP has a show every single week. JP's workshop. And here are some previews about what's ahead. All right, and every single week we have uh, Make Code Minute, and there is now Make Code Live uh, that JP does every Tuesday. This is great for parents or learners, yeah. people who want to study microcontrollers so, at home. Take it away, JP. What I wanted to show you in the Make Code Minute today is how you can use maker.makecode to help you create the circuit for a project you're working on. So here you'll see I have a uh, Feather M0 Express. And what I want to do is I want to be able to control these NeoPixel LEDs with the button and capacitive touch. So you'll see when I touch this wire, it's going to turn green. When I touch this button, I'll be able to switch from blue while it's held to red when it's released. I'll hide that and we'll take a look in maker.makecode. The interesting thing is that you can select from a bunch of different boards, compatible boards, and then as you build up your program in blocks, you'll see the simulator over here on the side will show you what the circuit looks like. So you can see right now, uh, by adding the blocks for a touch, capacitive touch, and a button, it's created some circuit uh, for me on this little breadboard. So I can see here, here's a button. It's currently failing because my program doesn't do much with it. And uh, what I'd like you to pay attention to here is I've added a, from the light NeoPixel section, a set strip, which creates a NeoPixel strip. And watch what happens in the simulator when I add this block. We'll see that it is brought in a little simulated uh, NeoPixel strip. And it's even plugged it in based on the settings that I've chosen. So I chose in my strip settings for it to be on pin D5. You can zoom in here and you'll see with eight pixels. Uh, and then I'm setting it to red. And that is mimicked right here in the circuit board. So it's a, a really nice way to give yourself a little hint about how you're going to plug things in. If you're new to electronics, particularly, you can see if there are pull-up or pull-down resistors involved, the ground connection, the data connection, and the power connection for this NeoPixel strip. It's all laid out here for you, and you can deviate from it if you need to, but it's a really great starting point. And so by creating this, now I can go in and see uh, the buttons changing the colors, 
and this mimics exactly what's happening in the real world, all right inside of MakeCode. And that is your MakeCode Minute. All right, and don't forget, JP's workshop is on every single Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And then you also have Make Code Live on Tuesdays, and you have a special show and tell that JP's doing. We um, took a little bit of a break for just one week with Desk of Lady Ada. We'll be back on it soon. Um, expect a bunch. We tend to do these like day after day after day after day. Um, and then uh, for Python on Hardware, uh, we're playing the wrap-up from the Python on Hardware newsletter. You subscribe on adafruitdaily.com. And then each week we do a video. And specifically when I say we, I mean Katni. Yes. And then um, <laughs> we play it here. Lots of news this week. So it's about, you know, 14-minute video or so. So we're going to save it to the end after yes. we get through like all new products, and all, new products and all that stuff. A treat. So let's do uh, time travel. Okay. Let's look around in the world of makers, hackers, artists, and engineers. Big news in the maker world. Um, this is breaking news. This literally came in. Beep, 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 beep. This literally came in, um, like, let's see. Like 20 minutes ago? At uh, 7, like 50, or no, sorry. Um, it came in at like 7.01 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it yeah. was that. It was that fast. So um, a little bit of a um, story with this. So we've been working with New York City a lot, New York State. And uh, today... Uh, I got a phone call from one of the um, folks who they're just doing amazing work helping our city. Yeah. And they work for New York the City, of course, yeah. and the mayor's office. And they said, is Lamar there? And I'm like, yeah, like, here you go. And, like, I'm Lamar's assistant. So I'm like, here, Lamar, let's call for you. Why don't I have a phone? Yeah. And uh, they said to Lamar, um, do you want to be on the New York City Mayor's Council for uh, helping businesses get back to work, advising yeah. them, telling what, what works? what your company's doing and working with other business leaders. There's all sorts of different um, councils and advisory councils now. And uh, they asked if you'd be part of it, and you said? Yes. All right. So it's this is true. the press release that just went out. Um, you can see that it just, this is the hottest off the press thing. And if you look at the press release. For immediate release. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, councils. So um, Our Lady Ada here is on the Small Business Sector Advisory Council for the City of New York to help out with uh, probably just telling her story and yeah. saying, here, how, here, here's how we're operating, here's what we're doing. And I'll get into that um, just in a little bit because we just did a post about all of that. And um, if you zoom in, there you are. Yay. Ada afraid. Fruit. Ada Fruit. Um, so the other neat thing is, like, um, there's businesses on here that we, like, go to, like, Pearl Rivermart. Oh, Pearl Rivermart. Okay, yeah. Jen, she's in charge of it. Yeah, and there's also like Kickstarter and a couple others that are um, there. Digital gadgets. Yeah, there's there. They're there to help New York City. Cool. So um, I'm so thankful that the city identified you because I know there's a path to the other side for this, and uh, you know New York City got hit hard, and um, we're surviving. And I know it's because of your leadership, your thoughtfulness, and the thing that you created. So now I want to talk about that. Okay. So this jerk virus, uh, we don't like. No. Um, we don't like we're going to beat it. Uh, we you are beating it. it. We are. And okay. um, so we're operating now 60-something days at Adafruit. And yeah. one of the things that we were worried about is when, we're, when and if was our company exposed? We're in Manhattan. People are coming in from all boroughs. Um, we did a lot of things. And I did a post, and I'm just going to kind of summarize it because the post has just about everything. So... What have we been doing every single day? Yeah. 
when when people come into Adafruit. Okay. And so every single day right now, the on-site team has their temperature taken, um, making sure none of us have a fever. They each have a thermometer that was sent to their home, of course free of charge because that's what we do. Um, each team member has PPE sent to their homes, even if they're not working on site, even if they're one of the work from home folks, uh, including KN95 masks, kids masks, and more. On-site teams have PPE uh, for the to and from commute, even if they're just taking a car in. Um, sanitizers inside and out, each door, gloves, masks, physical distancing. Uh, we've not had more than five or six people per four or per section per time. We stagger shifts. We use smart scheduling staffing. We also uh, can operate 24-7, so we can do just about anything we need to with schedules. Um, each day the facility is clean with foggers and bleachers. Uh, I do that. That's, um, that's Phil. And I was feeling kind of cute um, uh. for my selfies. But um, we use bleach solutions. We use all of the disinfectants that's on the CDC list that you can use. And uh, any surfaces that are shared, any surfaces that people touch, any desks, anything, you name it, I bleach it, I disinfect it, and we have all the equipment for each floor, and I do that every single night. Or our cleaning staff, which we have on a very reduced schedule, comes in uh, and does that. Obviously, I'm not doing that right now because our team that cleans is doing that tonight because we have a show. So um, we also uh, have... Um, during the day, sanitation and uh, proactive cleanings. We do not interact with the public at all. Um, yeah. you, if there is a uh, same day, it is a no contact mm -hmm. um, delivery. All of the pickups from UPS, Postal, FedEx, DHL require masks and gloves six feet apart. And if they don't have PPE, yep. uh, some of them didn't when this first started. We gave it to them. Yeah. And we only allowed one person at a time in the elevator. And um, we have protocol meetings that we do each week with the team and anyone who's coming on site who hasn't been on site before, we do a full meeting and we go through all the protocols. So that's what we've been doing since around like March 15th or so when we've been an essential business. But has it been working? Well, uh, maybe, and I'm going to get to that. So, you know, what is working at this point? Yeah. Uh, what does it mean? And I think you have to look back right now to say, what did you do in the past? And so a few things I want to talk about Adafruit because okay. we're, we're built in a little bit of a different way. Um, we have flex schedules, so folks can make up any time. Uh, and I'm talking about pre-COVID, pre-COVID. So if you were sick on a Monday, if you want to make up your hours, great. Um, also, you have sick time, and we also have one great healthcare plan for everyone. That means there isn't executives, and there isn't like everybody else hourlies, and you have the expensive copay, the high deductible. No, we made one healthcare plan. Lady Ada has the same one as the person who just started, you know, the first day on the job. There's no difference. It's the high and expensive healthcare that is the best possible that Adafruit can get. We do that for everybody. Yeah. Um, we don't do any type of accrued sick time. So when you come in, you get sick time. You get all the time you need for all the things you need to do with like vacation and we keep piling on more time, but we don't think you should have to work X hours to earn X hours because you don't get sick for an hour because you work two hours or one hour. You get sick because you're sick and that's just the way it is. So we've done that, it's always been weird um, when you compare it to other companies. Um, the healthcare we have, we want to make sure people don't have high copays and high prescriptions and all that because that means they wouldn't go. So we, those are as low as possible. Um, we decided that um, we, uh, like I said, don't do accrued, so you don't have to work certain hours to get um, certain amounts of time off. And then we've added more sick time. We have paid days off for charity. We have paid day off for voting. We have bereavement, pet bereavement, jury duty, holidays from Martin Luther King Day to all the usual ones. The holidays can be used as floats. 
Um, and if a holiday ends up on weekend, we have that on a uh, Friday and Monday. So that's how we're built different. So one of the things is you're asking, well, did all that pe- did all that did all the sanitation stuff work? Yeah, the prep, the did all that safety, work. Yeah. Well, we were already operating at reduced capacity. That's right. Ahead of schedule. Ahead of schedule. We started doing this, you know, early March, and mm-hmm. we were having a lot of work from home, and we made sure people were doing all the smart things. Um, and so one of the things I did recently is what how many people were out sick 2018 going into 2019 and how many people were out sick 2019 is 2020 so this winter and last winter yeah okay. because i wanted to see like oh my god were we all getting sick and we just didn't think like oh why is there so many more people yeah because like, like oh maybe it was happening in january right? yeah so um december 2018 48 employees took sick days now we have like you know 100 something people that's that's average um December 2019, only 25. Took like half. January 2019, 32. January 2020, 25. Again, less. 30% less, yeah. February 2019, 24. February 2020, 17. So for us, this this doesn't really make sense to me. Yeah, it's interesting, but, right? But here's... Because we, we, we let people take sick days you know, so, all the time. They, they take them when they need them. Yeah. Nobody comes in if they're sick. So here's what I think happens. When you run a good company and people have a good wellness game, yeah. long-term, people are working more because they're taking care of things they need to take care of, and they're managing their sickness in a smart way. They're not yeah. like try, they're not trying to figure out how to work sick, and then they end up taking a lot of time off, and like there's a lot of things. So I think if you build a company that's well, you can... Uh, have long-term wellness yeah. instead of if you build a company where it's um, harsh and anti-employee, it's very hard to, I think, see these type of numbers and results. So that's just some comparison. So just back to the whole bleaching and protocols and all yeah. that stuff we're doing. Um, you know, it's just data. And um, one of the things we wanted to know is, okay, did any of us get infected and spread before March 15th, and then have any of us got infected while we've been doing this for the last 60 plus days? Yeah. Because we just, you know, there's a group of us, we just said, okay, mask gloves, and we have a field protocol set, we're going in every day. We're good, CDC recommendations, let, do the best we can. Let's do the best we can. So you, you kind of don't know. So far, no one has had to get a COVID test, no one's had to get um, admitted to the hospital. Um, none of our even at home folks had to go to the hospital because of COVID or anything like that. So we don't know. But one of the things we do know now is in New York City, um, right now, five minutes away from Adafruit, you can get a COVID test or an antibody test. And this is the blood test. It's one of the more higher accuracy ones. Uh, if it's positive, they'll maybe call you and say, you know, uh, or if it's a false positive, maybe you'll need to do it again and maybe you should. But if it's a negative, it's generally considered like, okay, you probably weren't exposed. Yeah. So the small team that we've had on site, um, we've all said, great, our healthcare plan covers this antibody test. It's very close to Adafruit. There's all these locations now in all five boroughs in New York. Why don't we uh, do it? So no one has to do it, but a lot of us are like, well, let's see what's going on. So uh, here we are. We went on a Thursday at like 10 o'clock at night because they're open until midnight, and the results are in. Lady Ada, negative antibodies. That means you were not exposed. That's right. Negative. Mine <laughs> did not come back. Mine was the last set to come back. And so I was like, well, I didn't. F- I felt a little weird in January. And like, but we live together, so that's a little weird. Yeah. Turns out it was just a delay because that thing is, that's the way things work. Negative. Negative. So wait, go, go back because now this, this is correct. Negative, negative. Yeah. So should be a little bit more positive. Yeah. Right. So I'm positive that this is a good sign. Okay. Good. So what it means is um, what we've been doing uh, probably, and again, I say probably because 
there's a lot of unknowns with this. Yeah. But it means that, and uh, and let me be really specific. All of the team members so far who've been on site the most, they have tested negative. And they so, said it was okay to tell people. Yes. And so what it means is, if they were exposed, it would have been positive. And who then it's like, well, when were they exposed? Were they spreading? How did it work out? But you know, we're taking public transit in. We're taking different ways in. Um, we're all working in the epicenter. And I am so thankful that it looks like this is working. The personal protocols that people had before and then during and now, they're working. So um, this is just one bit of data we are sharing with everyone because how do you get this information out there? So we just did a blog post and said, here's everything, here's what we're doing. And oddly enough, today, you're on a small business council and one of the biggest questions is, how are you operating? What happened? Are people yeah. getting sick? Like, what's going on? What are you doing? And this is what we got. That's right. So that's our story. That's what we're doing. Yes. Um, it's. I never thought we would be doing an Ask an Engineer where we're posting up our lab results, but here we are. New, so I new hope normal. it helps someone out there. Okay. Okay. Um, today, Lady Ada and Scott did a hack chat. Yay. It was an ESP32S2 hack chat with Adafruit. And um, it was all about the ESP32-S2, and you talked about getting CircuitPython on it, USB, and Some of the things we're looking forward to, some of the hardware we're going to be designing. Um, people asked us questions about the hardware and the data sheet, and we, we guessed uh, best we could, but then uh, Ivan from Espressive came by and answered some questions, so it was good stuff. Um, a really exciting chip. It's a little early still. It's not quite ready for uh, beginners, but if you are... Uh, an advanced user, like you're somebody who's comfortable using command line tools and, uh, you know, menu config to set up the ESP32 IDF, you can pick up a dev board. Uh, last I checked, DigiKey still had like 25 of them in stock. They're only eight bucks a piece. Uh, just search for Saola, S-A-O-L-A on DigiKey and uh, pick one of them up and then you can try out the ESP32 S2. Okay, next up. Open source hardware. We're an open source hardware company. It's true. And do you want to know why we're an open source hardware company? Uh, I mean, like, I, I wish there was some way to, like, prove it. There is. So, as of right now, um, there, this moment. there are um, 219 more boards that have been certified by the Open Source Hardware Association. Um, the application process for 390 boards were submitted in the first two weeks of those uh, 390, 298 have been approved. So we're up to 298 Great. right now. Um, since the last time we posted, we uh, updated this. There are currently 751 projects certified by Oshawa, making the certifications for Adafruit projects about 40% of all the open source hardware that's been certified. So right yes. now we are we are in the number one position. I can't wait oh, for it to be. I can't wait to be dethroned. For us to be dethroned by another company, because what does that mean? More open source. I know hardware. that means that they did five hundred different designs. That's, right. That's awesome. So, uh, and there are companies that are doing enough hardware where they can do that. So, um, this is like awesome skateboarding at the skateboarder park. Um, you just you're doing tricks and you're saying, "Look at this trick." And now um, someone's going to come along, and then we'll probably keep releasing as much open source hardware. But the fact that we were able to have our team, thank you, Dylan, was able to get all this open source hardware out. Thank you so much. Uh, we used this time to make sure it was very clear that this is what we mean, this is what we do, this is open. You did an interview with um, the OH Data folks, and you said, um, I think 
you know, there's a crisis in New York. Why don't don't let it go to waste? Why don't we make it clear what our hardware is all about? Yeah. Because um, I'll say it uh, just to be straight up, and I'm glad we're past one chapter right now. Yeah. Um, Mid March, when this first started happening and the numbers were escalating, I, I was like, "Wow, this might just be the end of us." Like, yeah. like we no one knew what was going to happen. Could it come in through your windows? And like, you know, is everyone going to be on a ventilator? Like, what's happening? And we do a good job publishing and we do a good job documenting. But um, one of the reasons we do open source hardware is so what what we want lives forever, essentially. That's right. And so um, there is no better way to signal and say you do open source hardware than to put up your files with a license, put up your code with a license, and then get it certified. That's what we did. So um, we're going to keep doing it, and I'm looking forward to um, all the folks that are going to uh, contribute and also certify. If we can do it in the middle of a pandemic, so can everybody else. All right, and the other way we're an open source hardware company is that we have 2,191 guides. That's right. We have um, over here. We have four guides this week, but they're really good. Um, starting from the left, we've got Phil B's Clue Light Paint Stick with Circuit Python. So using Circuit Python on this uh, NRF52840, which is uh, has a lot of memory, but isn't the fastest Circuit Python chip. And he showed you can get a really high quality light painting projects out of it um, thanks to using dot star LEDs which allow you to um, write big chunks of data very very fast so yeah. let's check out some of this photos. Oh, this is a gallery so one of the things that really makes a difference is having dithering um, because especially at uh, you know the um, dimmer colors that are required for light painting um, that can be it can be you know a big difference between like four and five or five and six, and so using dithering lets you um, jitter between two colors to create a nice blending effect. And um, he goes into the details of how you know he does anamorphic stretching and then writes the temporary data because the temporary data is, is massive because it's whatever the side of the file is times like eight because you do eight dithers per pixel, and then he streams that data off of the QSpy memory. Um, onto uh, the LED strip, and it works really well. Uh, and there's a bunch of tips and tricks also on how to speed up your Circuit Python code. Some of the little things that tripped him up uh, turns out they're not they're not too difficult to recognize once you know what to look for. Uh, Python garbage collection and memory management um, can slow you down if you're not careful about how you allocate memory. But a couple quick tricks, and uh, he was off to the light painting races. You also have the clue vertical. Garden Weather Visualizer, we'll show a video after this yep. uh, we're done. John Park uh, released his Clue text uh, telephone transmitter, so this is really neat. He got a teletype for like five bucks from a local thrift store um, a while ago and was like, okay, I want to get this running. Um, we connected up a speaker to the Clue board using the alligator clips and our little stem speaker. And then he um, and Carter figured out the Bado or Badot uh, encoding scheme that has data transmitted as audio tones um, and wrote uh, some code to do that in CircuitPython so you can send messages actually from a phone using Bluetooth. Uh, you send the message through our app to the clue and then the clue types it out uh, using beeps and boops, which is super neat. And last but not least, uh, the Louis Brothers did a PS4 gamepad display mount for either a seven inch IPS display or an iOS or mobile device. Because uh, you can pair the PS4 uh, over Bluetooth to pretty much anything, consoles, phones, whatever. Uh, so we have a video for that as well coming up later. Okay. 
Now we're going to play the vertical garden. Take it away, Erin. I love vertical gardens. They're popping up all over the place. I've seen them in New York. I've seen them in Paris. I wanted one inside my house. This one is pretty special because it has a Adafruit Clue microcontroller in here. The Clue is a really cool little board. It runs Arduino or CircuitPython, and it's got a whole bunch of sensors inside. This one has a barometric sensor, it has a humidity sensor and a temperature sensor. What that means, in effect, is that I can make artwork that can predict the weather. I'm using the, dip, the barometric sensor on the Clue to map colors to a NeoPixel strip that is inside of the frame. The middle section here is showing current data, and I can see back in time uh, with the section up here showing data that's an hour old, and the section at the top and bottom is showing a two hours old data. This means that at a glance, I can take a look and see whether the pressure is rising or falling, which helps me determine what I'm gonna wear that day. Let's take a look at how we made this. Isn't it beautiful? All the different colors and textures. I just, I just love the way it looks on this rock. I want it to look just like this in the finished art piece, but uh, I don't want to have to water it. So I want to preserve the moss and try to get it to look as much like this living, beautiful, vibrant moss as possible. The reason this moss looks so beautiful and vibrant is it actually is putting out a little bit of ultraviolet light that our eyes can pick up. I didn't quite manage to attain the beautiful vibrant color of the living moss, but I got pretty close by using fabric dye in a dark green and then brightening it all up with ultraviolet pigments that I just sort of rubbed onto the top of the moss. It really worked pretty well. It looks a lot better than the dried moss with no dye. The clue is connected to a power supply and a NeoPixel strip. Check out the learn guide at adafruit.com for details about how it's all put together. We upcycled the frame out of an old shoji screen, which we cut down to a smaller size using a chop saw. We built an offset wooden frame from corner molding to house the NeoPixel lights. Once the frame was built, we glued the pixels inside the frame and mounted the clue on the back. We used silicone adhesive to securely mount the LEDs so they'd sit about an inch above the moss and illuminate the tips of the plants. We threaded the wires through the shoji screen and attached some extra wires so we could place the clue further down in the artwork. The clue is mounted to the back of the frame with hot glue. Once everything was assembled and working, it was time to add the moss. We placed the moss inside the frame until we were happy with the placement and then used hot glue to secure it down. Now we've got a gorgeous vertical garden that tells us whether the air pressure is rising or falling. It's like having art with a superpower. See the full build tutorial with all the details on the Adafruit learning system. The link's in the comments. Thanks for watching and don't forget to subscribe for- Okay, so more guides and more next week. So next up, some main New York City factory footage. Um, got some stuff going on. This is uh, us doing things. Right now, here in New York City, we are manufacturing essential electronics and more. This is the stenciler. Yes, stenciling away. 
And then this is the time lapse from, I believe, yesterday. We had some of our team in. So if you see someone zip by, um, you'll notice they have a mask on, of course, and you will only probably see one person at a time because we're doing a good job physically distancing while we're getting stuff done. And, and the stuff I, we're making, like you can even tell, this is actually a TFT display that, um, or a TFT feather that um, some people have contacted us and said we're making uh, ventilator and medical device yeah. prototypes using this feather wing, and we need some more to make more prototypes. Yeah, so we one, of the, for them. one of the feathers that we make is uh, now in an FDA-approved ventilator called the Milan, and it's a low-cost one. And I have to post about that, but I just haven't had time because... Uh, because because there's a lot going on yeah. um and then um we also have some laser stuff so dano wall who is an amazing artist and an amazing adafruit team member has been um, leading up a lot of the things that we do on site and i'm so thankful that dano has helped out so many new yorkers and so many people on our team and just continues to give and give and give so thank you dano he also takes great photos Ooh, um nice. yeah and oh, this uh, is a new grid that we got for yeah laser cutter. um here's some of the 3d printed um uh holders for the face shields we did two types the ones that we were making in uh, big runs and then in between that we were doing this uh no and pedro helped out all the way from Florida with that to help out New York. We have some new filtration stuff we're doing. And then uh, Dano um, has a pair of spectacles and uh, this is just some scenes of New York as he goes to and from his commute. And as you can tell, the streets are still pretty empty. New York uh, has never looked like this. And uh, that's where we just, I took some photos of that yeah. same same walk. Um, well, no, because it's near the Adafruit. Yeah. So uh, which is usually bustling full of people taking selfies, It was a, you know, shopping. this was a shopping district and it is going to be different um, when, when things return, um, that's for sure. Um, and then it wouldn't be New York City factory footage without some scenes from outside. It looks like they were doing some sky riding that said uh, first responders up in the air. And then um, we have lots of... Uh, yeah. Neat things that we've been trying to capture each week. Here is uh, some of the construction outside our window. Still uh, happening. Disney's still building across the street. Yeah. Um, and construction is essential, so they, yeah. they get to continue. Although they, you know, they're all far apart from each other. Yeah, construction does have protocols and rules. And, uh, you know, this is what's going on outside the window. Okay. Next up, we're going to do some 3D printing. You know, Pedro printing up a storm. We have two videos. We're going to play them back to back, and we'll see you on the other side. See you soon. Hey, what's up, folks? In this project, we're making a display mount for the PlayStation 4 gamepad. We designed these 3D printed parts and used some hardware to make a clamp that features a tripod mount. We were able to strap a 7-inch HDMI display right on top of our controller. We think it's a pretty cool way to play games, especially if you need to be discreet about it. This uses your standard tripod screw, so you're able to mount different things to the controller. We think this could be pretty handy for accessibility devices or even recording equipment. The clamp has space for the touchpad, so you can still click the button. There's also a hole for the menu button in the middle of the controller. It's a GoPro compatible mount, so you can attach different accessories. The clamp flexes open to fit over the gamepad, and it uses a screw and a lock nut to secure it in place. You can adjust the viewing angle by tightening or loosening the screw knob. A D-ring tripod screw makes it easy to swap out different devices. The parts can be 3D printed in PLA filament, and we designed them to print without any support material. 
You can get the list of hardware from the link in the description of this video. The CAD assembly is pretty easy to put together and it features a modular design so we can reuse it for future projects. I used the 3D model to reference how the parts need to form around the shape of the gamepad. It's available to download so be sure to check it out in the learn guide. So if you're looking for a new way to enhance your gaming sessions, I hope this inspires you to DIY your own projects. Thanks so much for watching and don't forget to subscribe for more projects from Adafruit. And of course, I was trying to do two things at once. So back to what I was saying, 3D Sorry. Hangouts every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Sorry for that. I was trying to figure out it's a how, good test. how to get uh, YouTube to behave. I think I figured out what we have to do in the future because you have to say there's no way this is for children and then allow the streaming software to do its thing. All right. Oof. Okay. That's okay. You ready? Yeah, we're doing live. So, DigiKey Electronics. Super partner, super friend of Adafruit brings you. Lady Ada, what is this week's eye on MPI? Okay, my eye is on this NPI this week. We've got an NXP chip, and this is an interesting. Let me check out this cool video. Um, this chip is called the RT106L, and this is the little rendering of it. It's a BGA chip. And uh, you might be wondering, hey, that sounds a lot like the RT1060, which is a chip that you've talked about before. This is a high-powered Cortex-M7 running at 600 megahertz. So it's like, you know, basically got the speed almost of like a Raspberry Pi or small Linux computer, but it doesn't have, you know, a full operating system in Linux and all the complexity and the RAM requirements. It actually has a flash and RAM built into it enough to run many projects. So it's like an ultra high powerful microcontroller, which is really fascinating. And what I thought was neat is, I, I've never seen this before, but NXP said, okay, we got this incredibly powerful chip and it's got um, all of these peripherals in it. Yeah. Check this out. We got like the CPU, we got the system, we got connectivity, SDIO, CAN bus, DMA, I squared C, I2S, whatever. It's very powerful. It's like it's it's almost um, uh, Linux 
power uh, capability, but in a microcontroller. Um, and I think they were interested in all this edge technology that people were talking about, like facial recognition, voice recognition. And they're like, well, a lot of these things, you can't do it on a small microcontroller well. And if you do it on a microcomputer, it gets very expensive. Like if you look at uh, something like the Echo Dot or something, it has a full, you know, Linux computer type thing inside of it running software. So he said, what if we can do a lot of this kind of processing that normally require my computer on a microcontroller and have basically this edge ready set of chips? So um, these, there's three versions of these chips and you can see what you're getting is the same hardware as the RT1060. So all the code and examples and the data sheets and you know, Valboards and all that, that's the same. When you buy the 1060L, 1060A, or 1060F, you get this machine learning inference engine, audio front end, video front end, all the codecs, all the beam forming for audio, the stuff that's so time consuming, um, you get that with the chip as like a licensed software bundle. So interesting, same hardware, but when you buy these chips, you get a license to use their software. So there's three versions, the L, A, and F. I had to pick one. So I picked the L. Um, yeah. The L is for local audio. So this is a, uh, again, this high-powered chip which has an inference engine that can recognize local speech. So there's no Wi-Fi connectivity needed to do some basic voice recognition. Now, I can't recognize any word. You have to pre-program it with the words. Um, and we've covered this in other videos on machine learning, um, how you train a model. And um, so the local voice solution... It's, it's just a little valve board. It's not too expensive. You can get it on DigiKey. And, of course, it has everything. And this, the example code and tutorial that comes with it is really great. And um, what's neat is how simple it is. You know, again, you don't need, um, if you want external flash, great. But for the most part, you know, you can have the main chip. It's got tons of, you know, I.O. connected up to the I2S uh, for the audio uh, output, I2S to the two microphones for audio input, and... You know, you basically have a voice recognition and uh, control system, and you still have that 600 megahertz CPU to do everything else you want with. There's also the A version, the 1060A, and uh, the 106A is the Alexa control. So that one has a license to use Alexa. So you actually make a little Alexa board. That's cool. Which is really nifty. I want to get one of those as well. Um, for that, of course, you do need Wi-Fi because Alexa does... The, the wake the, word is local. This really is an MPI. This is really a new product introduction that's like super like cutting edge. Yeah. yeah, and it's well, there's finally available. They announced it, but it wasn't available. And then this one is the F. This is the facial recognition one. So there's a camera capable uh, capability into in this chip, and uh, you can connect up a camera and it can do voice recognition, uh, facial recognition. I think it can. You can definitely recognize like a face. Um, and I think you can train it um, by showing somebody, you know, the camera your face multiple times, and it can probably retrain to recognize between a couple different people as well. Uh, it's also got a PIR sensor. So this is, there's uh, basically three different eval boards, and um, you also have some videos from NXP. Yeah, we're going to play those back to back. They're about a minute each, so sure. uh, check them out. Okay. Hi, I'm Steve from NXP, and today I want to introduce our newest voice control solution based on the RT106L for local commands. So this builds on our popular AVS microcontroller solution, but now we've enabled this to work completely offline, so no cloud connectivity required. This enables increased user privacy, 
lower latency from speech reaction, as well as potential to reduce the overall system cost. I'm gonna give a quick demonstration here of the capability. Hey, NXP, window up. So with a simple custom wake word, which we can provide to, for any, any development, we're able to demonstrate in this case, local commands simulating a, a window uh, blinds being raised. Hey, NXP, window down. And it's that simple. And now we're gonna show you how that works from far field as well. Hey, NXP, window up. Hey, NXP, window down. All right, thank you for watching. To learn more about our new local voice control solution, please visit us at nxp.com slash mcu local voice. Hi, I'm here to introduce you to the MCU-based local voice control solution from NXP. It features a turnkey and cost-effective local voice control solution for products across home, commercial, and industrial applications. It includes production-ready hardware and software that enables OEMs to rapidly and inexpensively incorporate voice control into a diverse range of products. This solution features the i.mx RT106L crossover processor, complete with an audio processing front end and automatic speech recognition engine. In addition to creating the easiest and quickest path to adding local voice capabilities to MCU-based devices, this solution eliminates the need for cloud connectivity and offers complete privacy with low latency. To learn more, go to nxp.com slash mcu-local-voice. Thanks. Okay. So, um, actually, let's go to the overhead because I want to show off uh, this board and then we'll, we'll show you to get it. Um, so this is the um, local voice control. And again, one of the things I like about the, the videos and what they talked about is this is great for low power and for privacy, right? Not only do you save money by not needing a wireless connection, but you don't also don't have to worry about um, like customer support where you're dealing with wireless, which is always kind of a pain. Um, and you don't have to worry about people thinking, you know, is, is my toaster literally sending my voice to the cloud and listening in on me? It's not possible when you don't have a Wi-Fi chipset, when you don't have any uh, network connectivity because you're doing fully local voice recognition. So this is a dual layer board, uh, sorry, two uh, PCB stack up. Um, underneath is going to be that main chip and probably some crystals and, and whatever passives it needs. Um, and then it connects up to this uh, mezzanine board, which has three microphones. Um, I think this is either the audio amp or the Wi-Fi. And then um, there's a little speaker here as well. This is like a 3D printed or molded. I don't know exactly how this, this enclosure was made. Uh, it's all powered over USB-C. And then... Um, you can uh, program this uh, using NXP's uh, IDE, which works great for this chip, and they've got example codes and a tutorial to take you through it. And I thought I'd also show the chip off itself. So it comes as a BGA, but it's a 0.65 millimeter BGA, so you actually have a shot for makers um, to make a PCB uh, and, and fan out all of the GPIO. It's, it's really challenging when it's 0 0.4, 0 0.5, but 0.65, that's, that's not too bad, I think. I can handle that. Um, so if you would like to pick this up. Where do you go? You go to DigiKey, go to DigiKey for all the NPI and? Yes. And the uh, SLN local IoT, which is the local IoT demo for uh, the RT106L. And then if you were more interested in the Alexa version, uh, check out the SLN, I think, dash Alexa. 
RT106A, uh, and if you're interested in the face recognition demo, check out the RT106F. And that is this week's INNPL. All right, um, let's uh, kick off some new products. Okay. Okay, new products. Don't forget, you can order stuff on Adafruit.com. Um, a lot of it will ship pretty soon. Some of it may take a little bit um, because we're getting essential orders first. Um, but if you want to just support us for being nice and because uh, you're a nice person, you can buy a gift certificate and don't forget, you know, you get to use those later. Of you can course. get Adafruit Ioka if you want. A couple of box left. We have a few left, and this is how it ships this year. Um, first new product. Okay, we have a Fahrenheit version of our basic thermometer. This is a thermometer that we've been providing to our staff. There's some people who don't own a thermometer, uh, so we picked up a bunch, and uh, right now they're for staff, but soon we'll have them available for other people as well. Okay, and all of these that Lady is going to talk about, sign up. We're gonna; these are on their way to us. They actually have a shipment coming soon. Yeah, uh, they so have to get through customs. You've heard about it. You've seen it. It is the new Raspberry Pi cameras. Yes. So this is the Raspberry Pi HQ camera, not for headquarters, but for high quality. So this is a um, Sony uh, sensor with um, the same CSI interface you know you expect from uh, Raspberry Pi so it plugs right in and it works with all of their boards that have a camera connector so basically I think all but like the very oldest one um, and uh, this is a 12 megapixel camera and the quality of the sensor is really excellent and they even had this um, machined mount that is attached to the uh, camera board that allows you to add lenses Okay. which you'll need. Um, so the first one is, a, it looks like a telephoto lens because it is a telephoto lens. This is a long lens um, that you can focus and you can see, uh, you can change, uh, you know, the pixel and near far um, uh, distribution, uh, sorry, the uh, focus and, and pull. And for this, the telephoto, it's best used for um, things that are far away. Like you want to get a detail on a far away uh, uh, location, or you maybe you're like in, in uh, you have a camera to watch a forest and it's like not outside your door. It's like you know a couple meters out. Um, so this camera lens is great for telephoto, so far away images. And then the next lens is the uh, wide angle lens. So this one is not for cats that are far away. This is for cats that are close by. So if you want to get a lot of cats, because it's going to be a little distorted around the edges because it's a wide lens. Um, but if you're making a security camera or like a wildlife camera, um, these this or like a camera just for uh, uh, video streaming, uh, you might want the wide angle because it'll get more of the room compared to the telephoto, which is really meant for uh, taking faraway things and making them look close. Okay. And that's your product of the week. That's right. It's the new. Okay, don't need to do a recap this week. So we're going to go over to uh, Discord, and we're going to answer your questions. Yeah. It's that time. Um, while you're going over there, and while we're about to answer your questions, we're going to do some top secrets. So start heading over to Discord right now. Um, here is a top secret uh, this week. Okay. So uh, not yet. I'm just going to tell people a little something. So okay, tell something. we are probably going to be fundraising to beat this jerk virus. Um, not for Adafruit. I think we have enough funds to keep going for a while, not forever, but we're still paying everybody all the way to the contractors, to the 
cleaning crew that uh, isn't coming in. We wanted to make sure we paid the company so they didn't have to let go of any of the teams that we work with there. Um, we're doing this. It's painful. It's expensive. But that's not what we're going to fundraise for. We're going to fundraise to get masks to New Yorkers, especially vulnerable populations, um, communities that just they don't have lots of money, and we want to get as many masks as possible. So one of the things that I think I'm going to add to this fundraiser that's in there, and that's what tonight's top secret is, um, we're going to probably have a pretty big tier of a, a top secret uh, reveal here for what we're going to do. So if you um, donate, and we're going to be fully transparent, you know, how many masks we get, how many masks we make, how many masks we distribute, um, we're going to have these coins. And these are going to be the most limited edition coins ever. Um, and I think uh, if, I can focus a if someone can tell me the way it works in the John Wick universe, so you get like a coin and you said more they'll do your laundry or take your take a dog out or like they'll also assassinate someone. Yeah, basically well, anything from dog walking or laundry well, to murder. This will be, if, if you donated a certain tier, um, this will be a Lady Ada, um, you know, spe special request. Yeah. And we'll help you out with something very important because we're asking everyone to help us out with real, something really important because if you just look at the sheer numbers, there's not going to be enough masks for everybody. And we're going to try to bring the production to New York and make masks here in New York City. Um, and if that doesn't work out, we'll just source masks and get them out. And we have teams that will be able to distribute the masks to the areas and the people who need them most. So these are just a little bit of preview of these special coins. Um, you'll notice they're kind of, each one's a little different. So there's chromium, there's like a shiny one, there's yeah, antique samples. nickel, and then there's like um, black metal. Um, there's there's two that I really like. These up, it's up here. You like the goth ones. Yeah, I like okay. the gothy ones. Mm -hmm. And the, but and you have so, to choose. Yeah, and so these are the these are the these are the special uh, top secrety things that uh, okay. that we're gonna and we'll do something later with coins. But this is what we're doing now. Back in the vault, you. Okay. All right. Let's uh, answer some questions. Yeah. So first up. Uh, Adafruit, I'm working on a USB-C stuff. Is there a mistake on your Adafruit USB-C breakout, or did I make a mistake? It looks like the pull-down resistors are connected to the wrong pins. Can you check that? They're not. They're connected to the right pins. We triple-checked. They're supposed to be on the CC1 and the CC2 pin, not the okay. uh, sideband pins. All right. Uh, just trying to get pies. Okay, got that. Uh, if he's not, that's not a question. Um, okay. Mr. Certainty Bruce, thank you. Uh, the dark coins are kind of neat. And then, yeah, the same person um, posted their their diagram. And, Lady Ada, you can look yeah, at this. Yeah, that's not right. It should be on the CC pins. There you go. This is what live engineering looks like. Yeah. And, uh, you know, USB-C is tricky. It is tricky. It's tricky. It's tricky. Beast. It's tricky. Yeah. Okay. Um, I do not see questions. I did see Scott said he got the mass storage working on the ESP32S2 while we were streaming. Yeah. He's, he's unstoppable. Yeah. And then let me see if there's any questions over here. No, got those, got those, got those. Okay. Uh, oh, she's saying this is your schematic. No, I, that's, it shouldn't match the board that we have. The one that, the one that we have online is, is not, I don't remember that it used to, and then we revised it. Oh, could that have been a Different revision? It could be a wrong version to the left of cache somewhere, but okay. But when we put the files up, we put up the right files. Okay, great. Uh, let's see. Um, do you know the stack direction of... Uh, Extensa? Extensa? I have no idea. Yeah. Okay, and then Dennis posted up this thing. Maybe that's the Rev A, but no. I think the 
the one that we released is is correct because it works. Yeah. Okay, Mr. Certainty has a very good question. If the master donated for public use, will donations be tax deductible? So I'm gonna I'm gonna go into like top secret territory again. Okay. So the answer is no right now. So if we accept a donation for this, um, Adafruit say not it's not a nonprofit. Yeah. So if we get ten dollars in. You don't get to say, okay, do I get a $10 tax deduction? We take the $10, we say, here's what we're doing to $10, and then let's say if a mask is like a buck each, we distribute 10 masks. That's right. And then we say, here's the mask, and here's where we distribute it. So it's not tax deductible. However, um, very soon we will know if we have a new uh, uh, effort for Adafruit Charities. Yeah. So over the last 60 days, we've been applying to get Adafruit Charities. So uh, if and when that's possible, and depending on how the tax accountants that we have and the tax lawyers that we have, depending how it works out, it, there might be an opportunity in the future. And don't worry, there's going to be a lot of fundraising, a lot of need that's needed. Um, it, we might not get out of this without each other. It, it, there's not going to be probably... It's teamwork. It's probably not going to be a big chunk of cash that comes from the federal government that saves all of our states. It's probably going to be all of us figuring out. Now we have the uh, capability, we have the space, we have the skills, and we're going to fundraise to get either a mass machine so we can, uh, or the equipment to make masks and the materials to make masks locally so we can do this in New York, um, or we are just going to do what we do great, which is source a ton of masks from all the places we're all stuck with right now, and that's just where all the masks are made. So somehow, some way, we're going to get this done, but you'll see this soon, and we're going to try to raise some money to help because if you look at the map of New York City and the number of masks that are needed to be distributed, a lot of people are going to get left out. Yeah. So vulnerable populations, um, we want to put them outside every subway. There's essential workers that their employers are saying you have to buy them. We just want to make sure we just have as many as possible. If there's millions of New Yorkers out there every day soon working in some way, uh, we just need a lot. And if we had a society that could get... The little blue doggy bags when dogs poop and you know you put them in the we totally change culture like that people didn't used to pick up yeah. after their dogs and yeah. now they do if it's we could amazing. do that if we could do that we can get mass out there so that's 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 the idea it's a good question Bruce okay uh, next up um, let's see uh, if I buy a hundred dollar gift certificate, then buy something for ten dollars, will my account have a ninety dollar credit? Is it like a debit card? Yeah. Yeah, basically, you can. You don't have to spend all at once. You can spend it multiple times. It doesn't expire. Okay. Why not set up a three hundred one c three? I think you mean five hundred one c three to do what you're talking about now. Well, here's the problem: that takes a long time. So we're doing mass now while we're applying for this nonprofit stuff. Um, that's. If, if, but it just takes time. And by the way, like if you're just on the fence for your $10 being tax deductible or not, go donate to someplace else. Yeah. Because we're doing mass to help New Yorkers, and yes, we'll probably have a nonprofit, but don't just donate it to people who have a nonprofit now. If you're if you're like, well, I just my $10 and getting a the piece the thing that says I'm $10 less of taxes, um, don't worry about us. Go take care of something else. There's plenty of nonprofits. Um, we're doing this now and I've donated to tons of things and they're like this is not tax deductible But you knew exactly what it's happening for yeah, and that's the type like we're an open source company You'll see you'll see here's what we got. Here's what we spent. Here's where it went. So that's the idea anyways um, Because you just do the math of the number of people even in our neighborhood. There's not enough mass That's right and like everyone wants to like reopen the economy great me too And so does everybody else, but I think having mass for everyone that needs it um, like right now, if you see folks without masks, you're like, can I give you one? And I usually have some with me. Yeah. And they're like, oh, thank goodness. I didn't want to ask anyone. I can find them. They're all sold out online. 
blah, blah, blah. And then just a lot of people, like, not everybody has access to, like, you know, 10 computers that can, like, I have a script that goes to Amazon and orders things up for me automatically. Like, that's not everybody. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, next up. Uh, yeah. Uh, could you find an organization that already have a 513 established and joined in there? Blah, blah. Maybe, maybe not. Here's the thing. Every nonprofit in New York is very focused and very busy. There's not one that wants to build mask-making equipment in New York City right now. Yeah. That's and not their really focus. they're all really focused on, like, you know, fundraising and doing yeah. their own thing. It's... You know, we've talked to some, but they're like, and, that's outside and, of our purview. And also, a, a nonprofit, we would be a distraction right now because I've talked to nonprofits and they're like, this sounds great. We're a nonprofit. We don't have staff for stuff like this. We don't. Have, we don't yeah, we, like they can't do manufacturing. They would end yeah. up just like so, hiring us to do it. So, so the answer is anything you're thinking of, we've already ran down completely. And yes, we're going to work with other nonprofits and the way that they can work with us while they're going through all this. And we're going to have a way for people to donate who are okay with that. And we're going to have a way for people to donate down the road when we do other things to fundraise. And that'll be tax deductible. Um, we've had people um, tell us, I'd really like to buy Circuit Playground Expresses for all students, but you're not a woman-owned company. And we're like, yeah, we are. And like, oh, wait, you're not a nonprofit. Now I'm going to be able to say, well, we have a nonprofit arm and you're going to yeah. be able to get whatever you need through a, a charity arm of, of what we're doing with Adafruit. So I'm hoping the goalposts are now closer to the people who um, say they want to help um, and always have a reason not to. So I'm hoping that that is, uh, I've made it easier for them. So cool. we'll see. Okay, uh, next up, uh, let's see. Uh, Carter just looked. Uh, the Rev B has pull downs on CC1, CC2. I Thank you, this. Carter. And then let's see. Um, yeah, and as Seagrover says, any tax break is, tax break is pretty minimal compared it's to the It's not like you get to deduct the full amount anyways. Yeah. You deduct like half. So anyways, that's it. We're not raising money to keep us in business. We're, we're doing this to help New Yorkers. And we're hopefully going to be able to have whatever we build or whatever we do, open source that, and then every city that needs to do something like that. If not now, then when will we do local manufacturing for mass? If not us, then who? If not this issue for this reason, then when? So that's our idea. That's our story. Okay. That's what we're sticking to. That's right. So with that, I want to thank everybody. Uh, Thanks, we're going to take a little bit of a break. Don't forget, we're going to And we're going to do our Python on Hardware news brought to you by Catney. And uh, this is my favorite time of the week because I don't get a chance to keep up on all the Python and hardware news. And Katni now has the video newsletter version. So uh, I'm going to watch this right now. And uh, I'll, see, I'll, it's see so you. Relaxing. I'll see you on the other side in about uh, uh, 14 minutes or so. Okay, take it away, Katni. Here we go. It's that time again. This is Katni with your weekly Python on hardware news. Every week, we put together the Python from microcontrollers newsletter. It is available at adafruitdaily.com. Head over to sign up and see all of the past and current newsletters, or tune in each week to hear what's going on. Adafruit is continuing to operate as an essential business under New York City executive order to provide assistance with the COVID-19 outbreak. Most employees are working remotely, while a few are working in the Adafruit factory to help manufacture and ship desperately needed PPE to the surrounding areas and beyond. This week, the National Association of Manufacturers highlighted Adafruit and Lady Ada for the changes made in support of the COVID-19 response effort, including retooling the manufacturing facility to create PPE, fulfilling requests for electronic components for essential medical machines, and repurposing current products like thermal cameras to fit medical needs. They also discussed the importance of communication with the Adafruit team and the safety tools in place. 
Safety continues to be paramount, with the factory remaining mostly empty with staggered shifts for the few still coming in. Manufacturing and preparation of face shields continues, as Adafruit continues to provide PPE to the hospitals in the area. In an effort to make wearing PPE more comfortable for long periods, Adafruit designed an ear saver for use with disposable face masks. These are laser cut from the plastic left over from laser cutting face shields, maximizing the use of the available materials. While both of these items are available in the Adafruit shop, Adafruit is still only shipping essential COVID-19 orders. If you're looking to purchase Adafruit products at this time, consider purchasing from our partner DigiKey at digikey.com. The ESP32-S2 was announced in September 2019 and is finally making its way into the hands of hobbyists. With Wi-Fi, a much faster CPU, SCADs of GPIO, ADCs, a RISC-V coprocessor, native USB, and the promise of very low current draw, the ESP32-S2 may prove to be popular with hobbyists as it becomes established. To talk through the new chip's potential, Adafruit's Lady Ada and Scott will join Hackaday.io on the Hack Chat. Learn everything you need to know about the ESP32-S2 and how to put it to work for you. Tune in on Wednesday, May 6, 2020 at noon Pacific Time. CircuitPython 5.3.0 Stable, the latest minor revision of CircuitPython, is now available. This release has a number of new features and improvements, including support for RGB matrix display, formerly known as protomatter, making the colors used by the stage library compatible with those used in the display.io library, improvement to the STM32 and LightX ports and microlab, and updating to Sphinx 3 for documentation. Three new boards have been added since 5.2.0, the NFC Copycat, the Nucleo F767ZI, and the Nucleo H743ZI2. As a hackathon exploration, Microsoft adapted an IoT Central Python library to create an MQTT-based CircuitPython library for Azure IoT. This library has been tested with the Pi Portal and Pi Badge. Both of these devices are able to connect via an ESP32 serving as a Wi-Fi coprocessor. Microsoft asks interested parties to check it out and provide feedback via GitHub. If you're interested in seeing more of CircuitPython or MicroPython in Azure IoT, let them know by filling out a quick survey. This project follows work by Brent Rubel at Adafruit in creating the Adafruit CircuitPython Azure IoT library. The May issue of the Adafruit Internet of Things monthly newsletter is out with a great number of CircuitPython-related topics. You can catch the In Case You Missed It version on the Adafruit blog. With over 1,400 subscribers, this monthly newsletter keeps you informed on everything IoT. Head over to adafruitdaily.com to subscribe. Springer has made over 400 textbooks free to download, including computer science books on Python, deep learning, data science, and AI. If you're looking for some general programming books or Python programming books specifically, check out the list at bit.ly slash springercs. Adafruit has always been an open-source hardware company, predating the Open Source Hardware Association certification process. We have finally finished submitting all of our hardware to Oshawa for certification as open-source. Adafruit is now the number one open-source hardware certified company. This week, 161 new boards were certified, including the Adafruit Ethernet Featherwing, the Huzzah32 ESP32, and the Teensy3x Feather Adapter. 
The Evo M51 module is a feather-sized board featuring both a microchip SAMD51 controller and a MAX10 FPGA. The board is designed to support CircuitPython and is also programmable with the Arduino IDE. Check it out at aloriumtech.com evo. The Melbourne MicroPython Meetup presents their March-April News Roundup discussing the latest MicroPython news. This issue has a shout out to Adafruit and Scott on CircuitPython, especially loving the inspiring way that you folks are running the business in such a difficult time. Stay safe and keep up the amazing work. Last week, we mentioned Plastic Logic and their flexible organic e-paper displays. This week, they have two new video demonstrations featuring display updates via Bluetooth, the first with text and graphics updates, and the second with bitmap files. You can find their code and more details at github.com slash plasticlogic. The Fluff M0 is the simplest, least expensive board in the feather form factor with a microchip SAMD21 processor. Deshipu posts to Twitter, Adafruit's feather boards are great, but sometimes I'm too cheap to leave them in finished projects, so I made a minimal replacement with practically everything removed. It has literally five components, but still runs CircuitPython and has standard pins. Check it out on hackaday.io. The LEGO Spike Prime controller runs on MicroPython. This makes for some interesting projects like a Star Wars X-Wing robot posted by Big Les P on Twitter for May the 4th. Kevin posts to Twitter using an Adafruit Clue and the Kittronic Zip Halo HD to build a temperature monitor using CircuitPython. If the temperature goes above 75 degrees Fahrenheit, it turns red, and if it drops below, it turns blue. Kevin plans to use more microbit expansion boards with the Adafruit Clue. Learn how to build a simple USB HID 8-key mechanical micropad using Seedduino Xiao and CircuitPython. A detailed write-up can be found on makeandymake.github.io. David posts to Twitter using CircuitPython, the Adafruit Feather NRF52840, and the Bluefruit Connect app to control a USB-powered disco light. Robotic Masters posts to Twitter using an I2C OLED display with CircuitPython and their RoboHat MM1. Find the RoboHat MM1 on CrowdSupply. A post to the Python blog discusses a proposal made at this year's Python Language Summit regarding making f-strings the default in Python. When f-strings were added in version 3.6, it was suggested to make them the default, but it was considered too significant of a breaking change. The proposal was reintroduced this year and is currently being discussed. PyImageSearch posts a tutorial on training a COVID-19 face mask detector with OpenCV, Keras TensorFlow, and Deep Learning. Check it out at pyimagesearch.com. Learn about spatial data science tools with open source spatial analysis tools for Python, a quick guide. This quick tour of open source Python libraries available for geospatial analysis can be found on makepath.com. The number of CircuitPython supported microcontrollers and single board computers grows every week. This week, there was one new board added to circuitpython.org, the RockPy S. Are you interested in adding a new board to CircuitPython? Check out the Adafruit Learn system for a series of guides about getting your board added to CircuitPython and circuitpython.org. There are three new Python on hardware related guides in the Adafruit Learn system this week, including logging pulse oximetry data over Bluetooth using CircuitPython, the Feather NRF52840, and an Adalogger Featherwing in this guide from John Park. 
hacking the UTI-165 thermal fever scanner camera. The default software is Windows only, but this guide from Lady Ada includes using Python on Mac OS to use the fever scanner. The current number of CircuitPython libraries is 227. There is one new library this week, Adafruit CircuitPython BLE BerryMed Pulse Oximeter, as well as a number of updated libraries. As always, visit circuitpython.org libraries to download the latest bundle. Included in this week's updates from the CircuitPython team, the highlight of Brian's week has been working on a project to add the joy of clacky keyboards to the trellis family. He's working on a board that has the same 60 by 60 millimeter dimensions and tessellated I-squared C-pads as the Trellis, Neo Trellis, and Neo Trellis M4. This one will be different from the other members of the Trellis because he's replaced the elastomer buttons with mechanical keyboard switches. Instead of the 4x4 grid of squishy elastomer buttons, you'll get a 3x3 array of sockets that fit standard Cherry MX switches. There are still a few things to figure out, but he's hopeful that this will pan out and perhaps be just the start. Dan released the BLE Pulse Oximeter Library and enabled the Learn Guide for that to be published. He's also been going in circles a bit on some core changes for BLE Packet Buffer to make sure it works with the new Adafruit services, but expects that to be done soon. As well, he tried a BLE-capable body weight scale and blood pressure monitor. Unfortunately, neither used the standard services defined by the Bluetooth organization, so there will be some reverse engineering. For fun, Jeff eagerly printed the new slim enclosure for the Adafruit Clue and used it for a little project with Display.io, a dice roller for the Fate role-playing game system. In Fate, you use four special dice, labeled plus, minus, and blank, together with your character's inherent skill to determine an outcome. It was a fun chance to learn a little more about how the accelerometer and proximity sensor work, because you can either shake the clue or touch the sensor above the screen to roll the dice. Melissa worked on adding the RockPi S to Blinka. This included adding some more tools, such as a SysFS pin wrapper, so that there are more options to add new boards to Blinka. Additionally, she added pulse width modulation support and analog input support to the RockPi S, which is the first time she had added those features. Next up, she will be focusing on improving I2C support of the Raspberry Pi, including adding support for unusual configurations, as well as working on adding I2C to the external Bitbang I.O. CircuitPython library. PyCon 2020 online continues, with many talks, tutorials, and more already posted. Visit us.pycon.org slash 2020 slash online to find links to all of the currently available content or sign up for the mailing list to receive updates. Talks of note this week include how to build an intelligent indoor garden with microcontrollers, CircuitPython, and IoT, and nine years of Pi Ladies, lessons learned, and what comes next. Find all the available video content on the PyCon US 2020 YouTube channel. The USA Science and Engineering Festival is to offer their popular X-STEM conference in a virtual format. X-STEM All Access is an engaging, entertaining, educational, and interactive online STEM experience for kids. Through a series of daily livestream events, students will hear from an exclusive group of visionaries who aim to empower and inspire kids about careers in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. XTEM All Access presentations will be geared towards a middle and high school level audience, grades 6 to 12, but kids and adults of all ages are welcome to join. Educators are encouraged to include XTEM All Access into their distance learning curriculum. 
There will be daily presentations on weekdays, May 13th to 19th, 2020, from 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern Time. There is no cost to attend. Register on their website, usasciencefestival.org. EuroPython 2020 this year will be an online conference from July 23rd to 26th, including two conference days with keynotes, talks, lightning talks, and poster sessions, and two sprint days with multiple sprint teams. Attending the conference days will require a ticket, and participating in the sprints will be free. Check out ep2020.europython.eu for details. PyCon AU has announced they are holding PyCon Line AU in August. Check out 2020.pycon.org.au for more information. PyCon India 2020, the premier conference in India on using and developing the Python programming language, will be held online from October 3rd through 5th, 2020. A call for proposals is now open through the 14th of August. Visit in.pycon.org 2020 for details regarding the CFP and the conference. Looking for more Python on hardware all week? Join the Adafruit community on Discord and check out the Help with CircuitPython on CircuitPython channels. We're over 18,000 strong and continuing to grow. You'll find a supportive, positive community filled with like-minded folks. Join at adafru.it slash discord. And that is your Python on hardware news for this week. Visit adafruitdaily.com to subscribe to the newsletter or tune in again next week. Thank you, Katni. I was just telling Lady, I was telling Lady Ada, like Katni is really good at these. It's so common. I know I know what goes into them, and it's like you have to get all the graphics, you have to read the newsletter, you have to like be involved in this community, and then you have to kind of write a script, and then it's like a book each time, and then you have to produce it, and then you have to get the files around, and then you have to get it on the show. It's a lot. Yeah. And so thank you so much for the entire team who works on it, and uh, thank you, Katni. Uh, I am now caught up on Python hardware news. I don't feel like. I'm missing out I'm because missing out. I feel like I'm missing out of everything right now, and uh, I'm glad we'll that. Together. Yeah, well, I'm talking about the things that you see. Like I, the Python on hardware newsletter was like. I know. That was my like joyful. Re- yeah, I'm help, helping helping New Yorkers. Helping New Yorkers, we got to reopen this place. Do lots of stuff. Do right. Um, so thank you, the uh, Catney News Network. Um, so that's our show for tonight, everybody. Thanks, um, everybody. Thank you so much to all of our Adafruit remote team members who help out all the time. Uh, thank you to Kara, who's behind the scenes in the Adafruit uh, Slack. Thank you all of our customers who are buying stuff. Thank and you. you're okay if it doesn't ship today. But we are getting back, and we are shipping more and more, and we're making things at the same time to help our city and beyond. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to the Mayor's uh, Council uh, for New York City for selecting Lady Ada to be in the Small Business Council to help uh, New York. Um, I'm so honored. I am um, so excited because I know you pretty well. And I think you're like the smartest person in the world, and I know there's science and engineering that will help us, uh, and there's a path, and you're really good at what you do. And any time you put the Lady Ada focus on stuff, things get better. Yeah. And I think that this is a good sign. Yes. Things will get better. You just got to sprinkle some Lady Ada in it. I got some data. I got the analysis. Yeah. Doing the right thing. And uh, thank you to all of our team members that are staying home and not going out. Stay safe. And um, not spreading. Um, it looks like the things that we really need to look out for is when people, younger people, go visit older folks at home, even family, if it's just family a, visits. That looks like that's some of the data that came out today. So yeah. it really matters. Please, please, please. 
just stay in. Yeah. Don't visit I them. I say to my family too, they're like, oh, what if I just visit? Like, no, don't, don't visit, visit. Don't visit. Don't visit. So don't visit. Not worth the risk. If we can keep this up, it just means we can all go back sooner. So thank you uh, so much, everybody. We'll be back here next week, 7 p.m. for Show and Tell, full hour. And then we'll be back next week, Ask an Engineer at 8 p.m. Don't forget, JP shows tomorrow. And Scott has a show on Friday. We have a full week of DIY electronics projects, Not Python stuff. on hardware, make code, all that and to more. To get those parts, build something. That's right. So we'll see everybody next week. Here is your moment of Zener. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week.